how we doing, Steppers? We are back with the fifth installment of the Directed Steps podcast based on Proverbs 16.9. That says, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So would you guys rather be stepping in your own steps or would you rather be stepping in the Lord's steps? Today, I got a special guest. It's always a special guest. Eddie, what's your last name, Eddie? Ortiz. You want to introduce yourself? Yes, sir. I'm Eduardo Ortiz Jr., but I go by Eddie. I'm Eddie Reddy. and going to talk a little bit about my life, but I'm definitely thankful to be uh, invited by Dylan, a great brother of mine, and so I'm just ready to dig in. Yes, sir. Eddie and I met, it's actually an interesting story. So they host these worship nights at our university, and I came down there with a buddy, and this guy was sharing his story about how he went to Malaysia, and I was like, dang, that's that's pretty inspiring. And I didn't see him really afterwards. I see him around campus, but I didn't. we didn't really connect then. Later on, I became friends with one of his friends and I've gotten to know him a little bit better. So I kind of got to hear his heart about missions. And originally we were gonna talk about FCA on the podcast, but the Lord put it on Eddie's heart to discuss missions and how that impacts the people around us and why it's important for the body of Christ. I just thought this would be a great idea to talk back and forth about our experiences with missions because I've experienced some over the past summer and I know you have as well. Doing missions for the sake of the gospel is life-changing, especially as someone who comes from the States. We have it very comfortable here and, you know, we'll dig deeper into this as we go into this interview. So as you know, we typically start out with a statistic. According to the National Retail Federation, in a 2018 study, Americans were estimated to spend $1.12 billion on Halloween costumes for their pets. But according to missionaryportal.web, only $450 million is given towards missions to unreached people groups around the world. That's a convicting statistic. This isn't my attempt to say that it's wrong to dress your dog up as a taco for Halloween. But, but what I am trying to get at is that a lot of us, including myself, we have a first world lens on how we look at the world. There are people born in poverty and dangerous living conditions around the world to where we have the ability to share the gospel and provide resources or tools that can lead to freedom spiritually, financially, physically, emotionally, and relationally. When Jesus gave the Great Commission after his resurrection in Matthew 28, he said, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a call we have been given as believers to share the good news with the world. I also would like to mention that I don't like the notion that a missionary is somebody who has to leave the country. The mission field is in our backyard, people. The gospel is a necessity. Not everybody is called to leave the country as a missionary, but I believe there are a lot of people avoiding that call to share the gospel in parts of the world that need it and be a light in the darkness. God can use us in ways that are greater than we could ever imagine, and it takes that leap of faith to see where the Lord can use us when we become the hands and feet of Jesus. Enough of me talking. We're kind of going to get into Eddie's story, and I ask this question, as you guys know, to all the people that come on the Directed Steps podcast. How did the Lord direct your steps to the saving faith of Jesus? July the 7th, 2016, Auburn University, down south in Auburn, Alabama, I went on this FCA camp. It was three and a half days. And that first day, you know, I've been a part of FCA and I've been a part of kind of the Christian walk, so to speak, but I never really given my faith to Christ. And I knew like that was something that I really needed to do. It was through Derek Moore, the chaplain at the time at Georgia Tech, who was invited to speak. He shared his powerful message. He played for Detroit Lions led the league in rushing, I believe, for a year in the NFL. Uh, one year, he, he made all the millions of dollars that you would want. Backed up Barry Sanders, one of the greatest of all time, to play the running back position in the NFL. He came up from poverty, single parent, and the one thing that separates all of that was giving his life to Christ. And I really didn't understand that at the time. I didn't understand that before. I, I you know, when I first met him, I was like, what is this old dude, you know, is coming in here. But then after hearing his story, 
and then making that last proclamation of like accepting Lord into my life was the greatest decision of my life. Mm. That was that's that's what separated me from going into these these different ways of the world mm. where I'm, I'm going into nightclubs, I'm doing all these different things that don't glorify Christ. Instead, going and getting married, having kids, and just growing in my faith and letting Him work post retirement and being allowed to speak. And, and be passionate about my faith is what led me. And he had offered the opportunity. My steps really started to grow from there as to where I'm led now through the Spirit here at Aurora University. Good man. Makes me think of Titus 3.5 that says, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how the Lord does these things, not because of anything that you did, but it's because what the Lord did on the cross and He washed you clean because He loved you that much, He loved us that much, and He gave us new life through the Holy Spirit, like you mentioned. So we're going to kind of dig into this discussion of missions now. It's, a, it's an important topic in the Christian space. And so my first question to you is, how did the Lord direct your steps to go on the mission trip that you went on? Again, giving my life to Christ, understanding that my life is now not my own. It's what God uses me in different spaces and places. And so going to high school, going and being able to share messages, I thought those were wonderful, and I really felt God was leading me to that. But there was something else more, something else to be desired. And yes, I can go and serve in the community, really be helpful. For me, though, before I graduated, and I really got to reading in the Scripture, really got to reading into Tim Tebow, and it was really through his book and just understanding that I can really do this. Did you ever have any doubts or like any, because of course, like that's a risky situation to go go on missions. Was there any fear that you had to face? My mother did. I I wasn't really fearful of going. To be honest with you, at that time, I could have went to the darkest places in the world. I felt like if the Lord would call me there, I would go there. I would die for my faith Mm -hmm. if that's the case. You know, Lord didn't call me to go there, but it was through reading Tim Tebow, even talking to different believers and pastors um, down in the local church. It was just clear and evident to me that I got to be willing to die for this, you know, and it's something that a lot of people won't be willing to say or even do. But just understanding that this is not for my own glory, but it's for God's glory. And and that's just going back into Matthew 28. Jesus told his disciples, obeying all I've commanded you and I'll be with you. That's the key. I will be with you, yeah. even to the very end of the age. That's so encouraging what you just said, because I don't think a lot of people have that spirit of boldness. Mm-hmm. I pray for that spirit of boldness on my life, because naturally I don't have that. And some people do naturally have that. And that's a gift from the Lord for you, Eddie. And I'm thankful that the Lord has gifted you with that. I'm thinking about these people who do fear about going on these missions because the risk that's involved. It makes me think of the beginning of the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, just to give you guys some context, he was a prophet in the Old Testament leading up to Israel's captivity into the arms of Babylon due to Israel's prolonged rebellion. And God was calling Jeremiah to be a prophet to tell them about, you know, what's going to happen to them if they continue in their rebellion. The Lord told Jeremiah this in chapter 1, 6 through 8. O sovereign Lord, I said, this is Jeremiah speaking, I can't speak for you. I am too young. The Lord replied to him, Don't say I am too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I find this passage extremely relatable because how often do we feel called to do something courageous for God and then we see the circumstances and then lose faith that God can't work through our circumstances. In the case of Jeremiah, he thought he was too young to be a prophet. When I went on my mission trip to Mexico last summer, I thought I wasn't going to be able to go due to finances. I almost didn't even try to fundraise because I had to raise $2,000 in two months due to my lack of faith. But I was encouraged by the believers around me and took the leap of faith to raise that money. 
I ended up actually raising the money early and had money left over to give to the orphanage we worked at. And it's just kind of interesting to see how the Lord uses those circumstances around us, the difficulties to test our faith. And through that, we will grow in endurance and what the Lord's calling us in our life. God loves to teach us lessons through our circumstances, just to show us how big of a God he really is and how he is able to humble us through our dependency in the struggle of serving him. The next question I have for you is, where did you go on your mission trip? What was the mission? Originally, I was hoping to go to Africa, Rwanda, and I was told, I think a week before I had actually made my decision, they said that the Rwanda trip was not gonna be able to happen, just circumstances of COVID and just different vaccines that weren't available for them and just safety concerns. And so I had to pick between the Dominican Republic and Asia, and I wanted to go to DR again, and I couldn't. They told me that at the time they needed more people to go to Asia, and I told them, you know what, I'll go then. Just Lord just saying, hey, there's a need. Are you willing to fill it? And I did. And I just trusted in him, especially that 13 hour delay in a country wondering like, man, is this really where God's wanted me to go? And you start thinking in your mind, like, is this where I really want to go? And then we land in Malaysia. It was like, oh yeah, this is where God wanted me to go. It's amazing. I know that kind of answers your question, but Malaysia, it's not often mentioned because it's a smaller East Asian country, but it's a lot of growth that can be used through Christ with people that are willing to go in there, missionaries, and really just display Christ on the forefront by going and doing works that are not of their own. What was your mission there? So it was with FCA. So our whole goal was to use sport as the, the platform to share Christ, His Word. And we spent like a whole day digging in on trying to learn God's Word to a point where they can understand and different gospel sharing tips, understanding where we're heading to a Muslim country. And also they didn't speak a whole lot of English. In KL, the capital of Malaysia, there was a lot more American-speaking people there because it is more Americanized. But once we got into the countryside, Ipo was one of the great places. There's not a whole lot of English-speaking people. So we had to find ways to develop that connection with them. And then also just being grateful was one of the biggest things because understanding that we're not just here to play sport. And that was hard for me. I don't like losing. You know, we played a few sports. Soccer was one of the, their biggest sports. So we played um, basketball. Yeah. They just saw a big dude who can somewhat coach, you know, and yeah. I just didn't know how to play a whole lot of soccer. But when it came to playing a sport, I was competitive. It took me probably a good day and a half to realize that that's not what we're here for. We're here to display God's name on the forefront and give him the glory when we're winning or losing and use these lessons to teach the younger adolescent age children, but then also the older and more wiser who may not know Christ. And that's something that I had to take a step back and really realize I am competitive, I, I'll be honest, but in a competitive, but also friendly environment, be able to really display Christ on the forefront and really be a bare image of him. What was one instance where you saw God moving in your mission? So we went to a camp connected to an organization that kind of helped put up what they called at the time sports camp. It was really a Christian camp. We just couldn't say Christian. It was just a lot of legalistic things that they wanted us not to do. And so it was tough, but at the same time, we kind of understood that coming in. And so, you know, we we're gonna get teamed into like huddle leaders. And that's something that we usually do in FCA in America. So I was a huddle leader for a group, an age group, and I was hoping it was gonna be a teenage grouping. I didn't get that and I was mad. And I was like, Lord, and you didn't give me that. And he showed that he can work in anybody that's willing to give up themselves for him. So I was given the seven, eight and nine year old age frame. And it was tough. At first it was, because they didn't know English. They were actually from a Zoe dialect that not even the translators knew how to pronounce. They, they gave us this plan of how we're gonna read the word. And it just didn't work out for them because they didn't know how to open a Bible. 
they were probably never seen a Bible before. They probably never heard the word Jesus before either. And it was me even having to adapt to the environment, but also kind of pivot where we were going because all they want to do is play, play, play. There's a purpose for that too, you know, then there's also time and a place for us to go learn God's word and really use that time efficiently. And so we won a lot, I'm not gonna lie, once we got to the competitive field, and I think that's what grew their trust to me because now they're wanting to talk to me, even if they don't know my language, they're patting on back, they want to be around me, they want, in fact, they had a seat saved for me when we were eating dinner. And that's something I never thought that they would want to do, especially since they didn't even really know how to pronounce my name until after a few days. It was John and David, my two biggest fans. It felt like a mentorship opportunity. My next question for you is, what were some difficulties of sharing the gospel and being ambassadors for Christ in a foreign country? Because like you said, I know it's a Muslim dominant country. You're hearing the Muslim prayer when you wake up, that's, that's definitely different. But it was played in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. So three different times. You hear it from your room or wherever you're staying and then you hear him, it's a normality for them and the way they dress and different things like that as well. You kind of can recognize that. And as you get adapted to the environment, it's normal. But there was opportunities for us to talk to Muslims, Hindus as well, because that was the second leading religion was Hindu. And so there was opportunities where we can share with different people, but it was just, again, you have to find the fine line of what the government says we can do and cannot do. Like, so, what were some things that like made that hard? It's just laws and the people, you grew up in that type of environment that we really couldn't talk to, a same knowledge of Jesus Christ, we couldn't mention that, but we could mention, how's your day going? And that was something that I had to wrestle with for a little bit. But like I said, as you adapted, things become a lot easier to get connected to where they start asking, why are you acting a little bit different? Yeah. Why are you praying this certain type of prayer? Who is this Jesus? Mm -hmm. These are things like that that they may have not understood at the time, I got to share about him, yeah. That's good, man. It makes me think of 2 Timothy 1, 7, that says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We know that when we fear what man may think or the physical consequences the gospel may bring to us, that this is not a spirit that is from the Lord, right? This is not a healthy fear. This is a fear of man. He calls us to have a fear of the Lord. The enemy wants us to be comfortable and not share the gospel with people. When we are walking with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can share the gospel boldly with confidence because knowing that this is the will of God based on the commandment he gave us, and in him, we have victory in any circumstance, even to death, as you mentioned earlier. And I think another verse that should be the attitude of a true believer is Romans 1.16 that says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Gentile. These are some scriptures to kind of ground us in that we can know that we have comfort with the Lord in all these circumstances, even though it may not be easy. We just trust that the Lord will provide us the boldness and the and the strength to pursue through the difficulties of mission work. So my next question for you, Eddie, is what impact did you leave on the people around you? And how did they leave an impact on you? And I encourage you to just get deep here with me. This is the part, you know, where we get real. I was told getting ready to leave. Missions doesn't start when you get there. It starts when you leave. That's something that for me, I didn't understand until I actually left and went back home in Alabama and recognizing the kids like John and David that left an impact on me where I'm praying for them constantly, even till this day. Also for the other young people there, the EPO camp that we're able to connect with and just being able to pray for them. Prayer is something that's powerful. I often think about 2 Corinthians 5, 7, I must walk by faith, not by sight. For me, just that faithful journey of being able to go, we're not promised tomorrow on this earth. I just want to leave an impact that was not of me, but it was of God. 
from what I'm hearing you speaking about these kids that you're, you had an impact with and you know the other people that you've had an impact around you, it was about displaying the love of Christ. For you, like, yeah, you had fun with the games, but it, it was deeper than the it's games, than man. That. It's building that relationship with those kids and showing them what it's like to, to have Jesus in your life and have them question. Because I know you said with the rules and stuff, it's difficult, but why is Eddie like this? I hope some kids ask that. It makes me think about Matthew 5, 4 through 16, when Jesus said, you're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. As we glorify God with our lives, by result, we should positively impact the lives around us. If the fruit of the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I would want to be around those people that have those characteristics. And this shows how good God's character really is. And that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a reflection of that character of God in the lives around us. And continue to keep praying for those people. And I'd be glad to pray for them with you, man. If Jesus said we are to be the light of the world, we should let that light shine so that everyone will see that light and they will want to know where it came from. Then you can tell them that it came from your heavenly father. And that's the good news of the gospel. So that leads to my question number six. What are some misconceptions that you realized after spending time in a third world country after being in America your whole life? And how did that change your perception of people outside of the US? For me, there's some a lot of misconceptions about Malaysia, but there's a lot of loving people there. They're not hostile by any means. Now, I believe East Malaysia is though. I, there's a part of East Malaysia that's very volatile. But where we were, it's not like that. They're very loving. Obviously, there's a lot of things that can be different. What did you think about these people before you went? And then what did you think about these people after you went? What I thought about them was that they were in need of the love of Christ. There's things that definitely, as a believer, I knew that there's some tough financial deals that are going on there as well and resources. And they are. There's not a lot of resources being brought to believers in Malaysia when it comes to monetary value, if that's even the case with them, or if there's a church that may need a few more bodies to help build up the ministry. It's the Lord's work. That's good, man. I'm thinking about from my personal experience as you're talking when I went to Mexico on my mission trip. I kept saying afterwards that the kids taught me more than I taught them. It sounds really cliche, but I see a lot of people in the States pity people in places like Mexico or other areas that may be in poverty. But in some regard, going to Mexico made me kind of pity Americans. And here's why. We have pretty much given ourselves mental handicaps with our phones and other devices. That we've programmed our brains to stay isolated and then we wonder why we crave social connection, but we don't have the capacity for it anymore. Or we just fear having it because we haven't had it in so long and we just don't even know what it's like anymore. I was just looking at these kids who had nothing more than an action figure and a baseball, yet they were grateful and loved the life they lived. And meanwhile, I see kids in the States with pretty much everything they could ever ask for but ungrateful and never satisfied. Things and material possessions will never satisfy us. They will never fulfill us. But living the life God created for us in community will. And I believe that. And I've seen it in my own life. And I've seen it in these kids' lives. This theme of community has become an underlying theme for this podcast. And I didn't even intend it to be that way. But this will always be a timely message until it finally clicks in our brains that we weren't meant to live a life inside of a social media feed all day. If the Lord's calling you to be in a mission, don't think that the Lord isn't going to teach you some lessons along the way while you're teaching others. Having a humble heart throughout the missions process is essential, or the Lord can humble you himself. And we know that it's always better to just do it 
yourself before he humbles you. People who live in poverty in third world countries, it's like, we pity them so much, but I think in America, a lot of us are asleep. We just think that the life is having things when really the thing that we need to have is the ways that the Lord designed our life to live in. So that's kind of towards the end of the questions about missions. Is there anything else that the Lord's kind of put on your heart during this conversation that you would find insightful to share? Yeah, just going back to what you just said, we are thinking about misconceptions. Malaysia, they may not look like us. They may not speak like us, but how's heaven going to look? Because that's what it's going to look like. There's going to be people that upon God's grace, he, he raises us up. Well done, my good and faithful servant, he says. And yeah. we're going to be able to lock arms with them and praise the Lord the rest of our days. And so I just pray an encouragement for all of us, whether that's those who are listening or for those who we come in contact with, that we continue to proclaim his name. Not all of us are called to go live in Malaysia. Not all of us are called to go in Africa, go in Mexico and kind of make those our homes. It's the US, it's Aurora University. It's these countries and states that we've been provided to go to the United States that we're able to go and display Christ to those who may not know him and really share the good news. That's what we're, we're called to do. This is something that I'm blessed and thankful again for this opportunity so that we can continue to grow together as brothers in Christ. I think something that's kind of interesting that you noted in the beginning of that is there's several different cultures, but we're all of one race and that's the human race. It is. No matter what tribe you come from, no matter what part of the world, we all have that united sense in Christ. I think that's really cool, man. So that's the end of the questions. If I was to give you guys a call to action, this is what I find that's important in this conversation of missions is to remember it's the Lord's work to be done and not your own. So often we want to make it all about ourselves when we are doing these things for God, when in reality, we should be praising the excellencies of God's work through our lives. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All our righteousness are like filthy rags. God isn't pleased with the action of our missions, but the faith behind the action of our missions. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. When you're doing these good works, who are you glorifying? yourself or God. It is a privilege to be a part of God's plan. God will accomplish what he plans to be done with or without you because we know that in Philippians 2, 10 through 11, Paul mentions that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a spiritual action that should guide your physical actions as we live for Christ because it is so easy to get caught in the motions of doing these works that we wrap our identity in our works for Christ and not wrap our identity in our rest in Christ. That's where we should be. You couldn't be more loved than you already are. And there are no way you can earn that love. It was freely given to you through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. The agenda for the upcoming podcast. Next podcast, we're having my buddy Jay come on. We're gonna talk about uncertainty. I'm excited for that one. This conversation has been great. Talking about missions, it's refreshing to hear Eddie's perspective. And we're just gonna carry this conversation out through our lives. I'm always thankful to be here with the Directed Stats podcast. This is your host, Dylan Tuttle. We are out of here. Peace, y'all. The Directed Steps podcast is brought to you by Pixabay royalty-free music and Bible translations such as the New Living Translation and the New King James Version. Thank you for listening. Yeah.